Hello, everyone, and welcome to Show Hoppers. Today we are covering The Leftovers, Season 3, Episode 3, Crazy White Fella Thinking. I am Mr. Sal. The Leftovers is my favorite show. This is my third time watching through it. I am also a science teacher, and I'm here with one of my former students, Kurt, who has never seen The Leftovers before and is watching it for the first time. Kurt, how are you? I'm doing quite well. Uh, right before uh, 10 a.m. in the morning here. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Kurt, do you consider yourself your own personal Jesus? No. <laughs> no. That's, that's, that's some crazy white fellow thinking. Right there, <laughs> Speaking of which, did they ever say that in the episode? No, no, no. Okay. I was really, at the very end, I was convinced he was going to tell Grace that that's some crazy white fellow thinking. Oh, that's really funny. I was waiting. I was waiting for that line. The whole episode never came. Oh, <laughs> man. All right, I have to guess your rating here, Kurt. As you do, as the obligatory uh, rating guesser. Okay, so I have a couple of theories. The most heavy Kevin Senior episode we have had up to this point in The Leftovers is Season 1, Episode 6, Solace for Tired Feet. You gave that episode an 8. Right now, in Season 3, you've given Episode 1 a 10. You've given episode two a nine. I predict that you will give episode three an eight because the trend will continue. And that's the same thing you gave Sal's for Tired Feet. Interesting. Interesting. Wrong. So, wrong. Nine. A nine. I think of a nine. I really liked this episode. All right, cool. That's yeah. awesome. I don't like, I don't like that. I keep saying that. Like, I really like this episode because I don't want to like the episodes. <laughs> I, want, I want to be able to like not like them, but I like them. Yeah, well, I mean, they're really likable, you know, I mean, and I've, I've said this so many times, but with only 28 episodes in the entire series, like, there's not much that's wasted along the way. So I think it's okay to like every episode, because every episode is there for a specific reason to serve a purpose. So I think it's okay. Well, I feel like yeah, there's gotta be some wasted space, right? I mean, there it's pretty lean. It is very lean. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't, there's not a lot of episode of a lot of wasted space in this whole series. I'm curious if we see the mad episode and if they combined seniors episodes and mad episode like back and forth. Cause they do, they do interact in this episode. Do, talk right. on the phone. So I wonder if they, 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 they cut down seniors episode even more and they cut down Matt's episode even more. And if they could have combined them into one super lean Lean, mean, showing machine. But that, I, I mean, I still really like the episode. I'm just curious if they could have done that. Uh, well, we're, we're coming up pretty quickly on Matt's episode. It's not the, it's not the next episode, but it's the one after that. And uh, you'll, you'll get a pretty good flavor of, of that. And I'll be interested to hear after you see that one, if you think they could have combined the two. Yeah. I, I, they do like... Well, I guess, I guess a big trouble with the Matt episode is the timing. Because this episode, uh, we start kind of before even the season started. Yeah. Time of events, then we... Yep. Probably, you know, then we get to basically where we are in the season. And I also learned that that last episode was not a Flash, like, future. I thought it was. So. Oh, was, right. It was not. It was not a Flash future. It was just a present. So. That was just a different place. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Arguably the future, because it is Australia. Yeah, like some time ahead. So that's technically good. right, though not quite right. <laughs> very, very good. Good for you. 
was the future. Not quite the future I thought it was, though. <laughs> well, it was probably the future relative to what was going on with Kevin and Nora, but um, it it was happening the same time, basically. Yeah, <laughs> contemporarily. Anyway, yeah. So, but but it, that we do get answers to all of that. So. That's pretty cool. I also gave this episode a nine. Uh, I like this episode a lot. I, I, this is not, this, this ends up probably being my least favorite episode of the whole season, uh, which, which is pretty. This is your, is this your least? It's it's hard to say. This is an awesome episode. Yeah, this is your least favorite of the season. This may be like this is a high class season. Then, like, this is a great episode. It's really, really, really strong. It's, it's. That's why I say it's just all so lean that it's it's hard to to pick on any one episode really. Uh, the next episode is one of my favorites in the whole series, maybe my favorite of season three. So it, it it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. I, I'm I'm very excited to to watch that one. I, I can't wait. Um, having built it up now, I know that you're gonna hate it. So. Is it a Nora episode? Uh, no, it's Kevin and Nora. They, they okay. are equal parts within the same. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. So, yeah. Probably trip to Australia. I, I'm worried for Kevin. It seems like they, there's a trap ready for him. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh man, you picked up on that, huh? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I know he's on the way to Australia. And senior seems to really need a Kevin right now. Either him or I. Well, I don't know. Either senior thinks of himself or Kevin Jr. Right, right. Well, I'm interested to hear why you think he would be pulling his son in to do this. But do you want to talk about that now or later? No, we talk about that later. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. So this is this is an awesome episode. Uh, it's it's very, uh, senior is always just so. I mean. He is the epitome of crazy white fellow thinking. Like he, he just, it, all of his thinking is just so outside of what any reasonable human being would think. It's so crazy. Yeah, I love the way how he thinks he's like pretty grounded now. Yeah, yeah. And that anyone else has an outlandish idea is crazy. Like, like Matt's stupid book. He's like, come on, Matt. Like, come on, Matt. <laughs> Drop the book, Matt. Come on. Oh, I've always said to do something more important, like the flood that's coming. I got to sing a song. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, uh, let's get going through this. Uh, the opening credits, as you may have ascertained at this point, uh, are always going to have the same uh, video footage or not video footage, visual uh, display, but they're always going to have a different song throughout the course of this, uh, the rest of the season. Uh, we had the Perfect Strangers theme last week, and this week we get a song called Personal Jesus, which this song was a very popular song by Depeche Mode. I don't know if you're familiar never with never heard of that. Like, it was very popular like in the 80s or so. Uh, but this is not Depeche Mode performing this. This is one Richard Cheese <laughs> makes a career out of turning pop music uh, into lounge singing lounge singer songs lounge jazzy kind of music yes yes i mean everything from depeche mode to 
like baby got back to like, i mean it's outlandish some of the stuff that you can you can see that he sings it's pretty hysterical actually so uh this is richard cheese singing personal jesus which i mean i i think that that applies directly to what senior is uh kind of displaying throughout this episode thinking of himself as having the power to stop this flood, uh, telling Matt that his book is wrong because it's not about him and that, yeah. Kevin, and that Kevin Jr. is part of his story. Not exactly. Yeah, you've got, you've, got it, yeah, you've got it the wrong way around. Yeah. So, uh, so when, we, when Richard Cheese is talking about your own per, being your own personal Jesus, uh, Sr. kind of takes that to heart. So, uh, so that's a little bit of background about that song. Uh, but it, we open with with a flashback, actually, of Chief Kevin Senior, overlooking all the mayhem in Mableton, assuming that this is just after the departure. Yeah, yeah, I thought we were going to go more into it. Like I thought we'd see like maybe a ten, kind of like how we saw in Meg's episode last season. Oh right, like going around and stuff. Yep. I thought we'd see him going around, maybe yep. a ten after the departure, but no, we don't. We don't ever see that. Right. Exactly. We do not. But it doesn't, we don't stay there very long. And like you said, we end up uh, with Senior, who's driving across what looks to be the Australian Outback, listening to a cassette of young Kevin. Have you ever used a cassette, Kurt? Yeah. Well, yeah, I've used a cassette in like a cassette, not, not like a handheld cassette player, but in like a radio slash cassette player. All right. Well, I'm just glad you've used a cassette. I'm, yeah, I, I've I've had to rewind a concept before. Okay. Though I was a little kid, I could use my finger to do it, like my pinky finger. Oh yeah. Well, at one point, senior pretty much does that in this episode, right? Right. right. I I thought he was. A, yeah, he. I know he rewinds it. I don't remember yeah. with what though. Yeah, I I can't remember if he's a stick or his finger or whatever. Anyway, um, doesn't matter. He he does it. Do they have tools for that? I don't ever remember a tool for that. No. Really. I think of that, I'm like, surely you could make a tool. Surely you could even put, like, a battery on that tool. So you just click a button and it's... <laughs> right? No. Am I crazy? Like, would that not work? Well, it might, but, I mean, the the point was that they, they shouldn't have... Unwound. Come... Yeah, I know that's supposed to yeah, come they out. Yeah, they're not supposed to. So, I mean, you're supposed to be able to just rewind them right in the machine. You push the rewind yeah. button and it does it, you know. But um, I was that they did unravel and you'd... But what was nice about it was a pencil fit perfectly. And so, and as long as it wasn't one, a completely round pencil, which most pencils back then were not, they had the, uh, what is that, a, an octagonal or a hexa hexagonal shape? Yeah, I don't know. So these look like a hexagon or octagonal. Yeah, I'm not yeah, quite sure. So anyway, um, they had that shape, so it worked out perfectly. So it could, you know, those those little grooves could you know, bite right into the pencil and off you go. You're off to the races. You can tell you're having like a memory lane here. <laughs> oh yeah. Love this stuff. Anyway. So he's listening to this cassette of, of Kevin Jr. When, and you know, we come to find out this tape is from Niagara Falls, 1981, which would put Kevin, what did he say? Eight years old. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we can learn a bit about Kevin's age there, but uh, they're talking about ducks and the ducks going down, uh, diving under the water, and uh, Kevin is uh, Kevin is very concerned about the ducks 
drowning or being dead under the water. And Senior says, no, they're going to come back up. And they do. And Kevin, news reporter Kevin Jr. says, the ducks are okay. Which is a big theme of the leftovers in general, just the idea of being okay. You know, we we go we can go back to Cairo and and look, think about Jill and Amy and their big conversation about being okay. We can go back to uh, what was it? Um, Matter of geography and Tommy telling Jill nobody is okay. And he, here we have Kevin proclaiming that the ducks are okay. But this is not this is the first story that we hear for, off of this cassette. But it's not the only story that we hear about, off of this cassette about somebody or something being presumed dead and then not being and kevin signing off by saying you know the ducks are okay or the president is okay okay there, yeah, there. i was thinking about what's the other time about that yeah you're right okay yep um and we of course know that kevin has died or come close to dying multiple times and come up from the water, well, not really, literally up from the water, come up from the dirt, uh, dried up the water, or survived the, the gunshot. And a news reporter might have said, Kevin is okay. Or, you know, or we just sung Homeward Bound to get back. Correct. And it's gone very good at it. <laughs> but still, listen. If they put that, I will give that episode a 10 no matter what. If they put put Kevin singing Homeward Bound perfectly, like exquisitely. That's That's all I need to know. That's all I need to hear. Great idea. I love it. They better do that. I'm I'm, I'm hoping so hard. Anyway. (laughs) Well, anyway. uh, Senior is driving apparently to some uh, aboriginal... Uh, song and dance. Uh, so, are you familiar with a- Aboriginal people in Australia or in general? In Australia, I, I don't know any specifics about them. I know that they have like their own land, mostly in the outback and whatnot. But... Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're the indigenous people of Australia, uh, and we do learn a bit about them. I don't I don't know a ton about I don't know much at all about Aboriginal people, but I know that these are Aboriginal people. Uh, they're indigenous to uh, Australia and they are singing and dancing around a fire and senior is recording this song from a pretty significant distance actually yeah he has a like a spy microphone or whatever yeah exactly and then so he, he records this and then that night I, I don't know if this is the same place where he just was or a different place. I assume it's the same place he just was. Uh, he walks past a sign that says that this is a registered sacred site. Beyond this point lies a site of traditional significance to Aboriginal people. And please re, uh, respect the sanctity of this area. Contact the local cultural council for permit advice. Aboriginal land, no entry. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet there he is entering painting himself, stripping down, uh, starting a fire, and trying to perform that dance and that chant that he just witnessed. And uh, police vehicles arrive, and he gets arrested. I, mean, I love this so much, him, him doing the chant, because they, they show us, you know, hearing his perspective. And mm-hmm. when, the, when, like, the native and the indigenous people are doing their 
chant, right? It sounds really cool, but when he does yeah. it alone and we don't hear anything, just hear him doing it alone, he does not look very cool. No, not at all. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Especially, you know, he, he's got his headphones in, so it's not like it's playing at all. It's just, and there are no instruments. Yeah. It's just... Just him and whatever the instrument is of him just tapping those two together. Crazy white fellow thinking, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, but he gets arrested. Uh, we have no idea why he's doing this. It, it's complete mystery to us. Makes absolutely no sense. But here he is doing it. You know, mo a lot of what Senior does makes no sense to us. But it turns out he is mapping what's called a song line. So, go ahead. No, no. I so when he said the song line to the cops, I was like, is, is this like a given? Like, like where the is this something the cops and him both know, or is this just a senior thing? I was like, what? But so it I seemed think, to me, I was like, this is a senior thing. Okay. But I think it's. I think this is well known in the African outback. Uh, the song line basically was was supposed to be the route followed by creator beings during the dreaming which is their story of creation right uh and as the, you know he mentions it later to christopher sunday that there are different parts to the song in different places so the idea was to to use parts of the song to get to the next place and as you get to the next place you learn a different part of the song uh seniors trying to learn all of the songs and all of the places and we'll find out why in a bit but but the the police do let him go oh no i'm sorry they they say as they arrest him I, so i skipped this part what are you doing and he says i'm preventing the apocalypse what are you doing <laughs> i love how he flips the question on the mic just you know, so he this is our first glimpse into what he thinks he's doing he thinks that he needs to do this in order to prevent the apocalypse. That's as much as we know about it at this point. But apparently he needs to complete the song line in order to do whatever he's trying to do. Yeah. We don't know what the apocalypse is. Yeah. Not yet. Exactly. But they, they, the police do eventually let him go, but they want to keep his, his records, his recording device, his tapes. He doesn't care, he says, about the microphone or the recording, the performance, but he wants the recorder and the tape labeled Niagara 1981, which has young Kevin on it. And the police do let him keep that. I thought that was the sweetest thing. But then, I know. Uh, but, 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 but then Mr. Sal, something popped in my mind of, what if this is bait? Like, what if he saw, what if he recorded over that tape with the song? Yeah. Right? And so, like, he's like, oh, I care so much about my son. And then, like, he's in the car and he's listening. But it's just that same, like, chant again. Like, he, <laughs> he's completely BSing this. Yep, which is what I kind of was hoping he'd do. Right, and it, really it definitely could go either way here. I, I totally see both sides of that, which is really interesting because it does seem very sweet, but it definitely seems like it it could be a complete lie. It could have been a lie. Uh, I think no. it be neither. Well, I think it turns out to be neither of those uh, options. Actually, what do you mean? I don't think it's sentimental value, and I also don't think he's recording over it. I mean, I guess you're right that if it's not sentimental, he just wants to hear what Kevin has to say. Right. Whereas, okay, actually, yeah. I, I was going to label it sentimental, but I think actually you're more right. He doesn't, he's not like, oh, my son, it's more of... 
this guides me what to do next. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And this is where he's now driving and listening to Kevin again, asking questions about John Hinckley's assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan. So I don't know if you you knew that Reagan had he was shot. Yeah, yeah. And it was the, the 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 guy who shot him. His name was uh, John Hinckley. And a, a few things happen here. Uh, Junior asks Senior, "Why would someone attempt, or why would someone want to kill the president?" And Senior just responds, "Because he's crazy," mm-hmm. which is not something that I can imagine senior saying now. No, that is not a valid excuse anymore now. Yeah. I don't think he would call anybody crazy at this point. So, you know, having been diagnosed as crazy for... Incorrectly. Apparently incorrectly. No, okay. uh, I I don't think that he is going to be very eager to call people crazy anymore. But he does call this person crazy. Uh, he says the president is just fine, which is just like the doc, just like, just like Kevin himself. Uh, and Kevin announces as much at the end of, of this uh, recording. So I think it's adorable, by the way. Oh, it is. It definitely is. Yeah. Yeah. He, he always sounds so concerned in all of them, and then he's like, "Well, you guys heard it here. The doc yeah. slash the president are fine." <laughs> yep. Exactly. Hey, did you? Did you catch that uh, he was confused about John, whether it was John or Travis that tried to kill the president? I I, I, I lost track of the names. Okay. Do you know who Travis is in this case? No. All right. Travis, that he's referring to is Travis Bickle, who is the Robert De Niro character from Taxi Driver. Oh, okay. Oh, I've always he, wanted to watch Taxi Driver. Please. Yeah. So it's inter- what's interesting about this is that John... Hinckley's reason for attempting to kill the president was to try to impress Jodie Foster, who was the uh, also a main character in Taxi Driver. So he did this to try to impress the actress Jodie Foster because he was so enamored with her character from Taxi Driver. Odd. <laughs> and at, at certain point, I, I think I have seen Taxi Driver, although it's been a long time. So I think think travis bickle kind of goes on a killing spree for jodie foster's sake in the movie hmm, so, okay so does jodie foster fall for him i imagine she does i don't think so it, it, she's much younger than him oh, and, okay huh. like a lot younger <laughs> uh, like she's like a teenager and not like 19 like Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, so anyway, uh, I, I but I, I I don't really remember a lot, but I know that Kevin in this in this scene is confused about who is uh, the assassin the the assassin and who is the taxi driver. Okay. So, okay, and anyway, I I just I like this because this is the second time that we've heard Kevin Junior talking about something presumed dead rising from the not rising from the dead or just being okay after being presumed dead which is just like him so this is interesting to me all right so senior anything else you want to say about anything up to this point no no nothing okay senior goes into what appears to be a post office and he's looking for someone named christopher sunday his friend yeah is his friend christopher sunday whose address he doesn't know and the the post office director is very 
suspicious of him and won't give him Christopher Sunday's address. Uh, he says he needs to speak to someone named Sharon, who is the liaison to the indigenous community. So you don't get to the to speak to the indigenous people without uh, like a go-between here. Yeah, you have some sort of like middle person, yeah. Yep. So which is interesting. But Senior claims to be a member of the indigenous community. Oh, yeah, he did that look quite bold of you. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm not sure how that happens. He did, he claims it again later. He does, he claims it when he's all alone, like totem of the snake or whatever. Oh yeah, that's right. So yep. He might actually be some sort of native tribe. I don't know. Yeah, he might he might have been initiated into one. I don't know how he would have swung that, but anyway. <laughs> but the post the post uh, postal worker is not buying this at all. But Senior says, well, you know what? I have my mail forwarded here. Uh, I don't have any ID, but I can tell you uh, the, the address. I can tell you who it's from. Uh, I can tell you that what's inside. You know, it's, it's, it's the sequel to the Bible. He's, and, he's, and he's very excited as he rips open, uh, rips, as he rips it open. And it is a copy of the book of kevin i know i really was like matt you liar <laughs> right right matt, dare you i mean matt and nora too for that matter and we should remember their brother and sister are always talking about how they never lie they never lie well actually nora doesn't really say that nora doesn't really say that yet, no. yeah but but matt is always talking about that i didn't lie i didn't lie you know it's a big deal to him that he not be perceived as a liar but he clearly lied to the subject of his book about the fact that there was another copy of the book. So. Well, now, now I want to listen back to that line. Does he say, like, I don't have another copy with me? No, he says, this is the only copy. That I have? No. Okay. This is the only copy. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I guess a technicality there can be if, if he wrote another word in it, it's the only copy. Ah. Uh... Yeah, there's a technicality uh, in there, but and he might actually claim that too. <laughs> he's definitely one to cite technicalities. He too. did before, yeah. He's definitely yeah. a he's a rules lawyer. Yep. That is, yeah. All Respect the, it. But... All the chicanery. Uh, anyway, uh, when senior opens it, uh, he he actually rips a page out of the book in order to wrap. A uh, hundred dollar bill in it, or maybe it was two hundred dollar bills. I couldn't tell. But Matt has sent him some cash. He wraps that cash in a page from the book and puts it into the National Geographic magazine. That with on the Cairo, on the Cairo page, uh, the magazine that he had given to Kevin, mm-hmm. that Kevin rejected. But. It's there. There it is. That yeah, it's a callback to it. Not not much significance to it, I think. At least I don't ever... Yeah, I mean... Could have been any book, but... It, it, it could have been, but we know this is significant to Senior, uh, and he specifically puts it on the, Car- the Cairo page. Yeah. Yeah. But Kevin is highly, or Senior, is highly unimpressed with this book. Oh, Yeah. I've you know there's there's jokes and memes about like seeing your teacher grade and when you see them writing a lot it's a very yep. bad thing. Yep. Uh, and this is definitely one of those. <laughs> even write, I mean he writes some really you know 
naughty words on those pages. <laughs> on one page, all he writes is F-U-C-K across. I know. <laughs> You're just writing. It's pretty funny. But yeah, he hates it. He hates it so much that he's got to call Matt to complain about it. He calls Matt to tell him how crappy his book is. <laughs> yeah. Now, Matt doesn't answer. Noah answers. And therefore, this, this is a clue to us that we are not caught up in this timeline to where we are in Kevin and Nora's timeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Noah is still there and answers the phone, uh, gives it to Mary, who is uh, seemingly just completely unimpressed with senior in general. Yeah. Uh, and, and eventually the phone gets to Matt. Now, the phone gets to Matt with much disdain from Mary. You know, uh, she's going to take Noah to the park, and Matt says, do you want me to come? And Mary just kind of gives him a look like, oh, no, what did she say? She said, not when you have such important work to do. Yeah, something, yeah, something about his work being important. Yikes. So this is this is before she leaves, but she is clearly not happy. But, Definitely on the fritz here. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Yep. Um, and Senior call has called to complain that he himself is not in the book. He, he says, well, uh, Matt says, well, it's about Kevin Jr. And Kevin Jr. is not in Australia. And if he said, now, if Kevin were in Australia, that would be something to write about. But Senior is vehemently opposed to the idea of junior coming to australia yeah i was like this is two big takeaways he's not part of it and he doesn't want kevin in australia and kevin's going to australia yeah that's that's the thing we know kevin's going to australia uh even matt at this point doesn't know that kevin's going to australia because this is before mary even leaves so kevin doesn't even know about the book of kevin yet yeah right so uh and then senior goes on to explain to matt he says, I'm not a part of Kevin Jr.'s story. He's a part of mine. He guided me to Australia when he was eight years old. So, which we have no idea what that means. We just know that he's listening to this cassette tape from young Kevin when he, Kevin, young Kevin could have been eight years old on the cassette tape. Yeah, I, that was basically what I thought of like these cassette tapes have guided uh, seniors journey is my, what my assumption was. Right. And so I think that's a fair assumption at this point. We don't know how or why or, or anything like but that. I, I will say, now that I think about it, does... So so what does Senior say? He says eight-year-old Kevin led him to Australia? Yeah. Isn't that fault? Like, isn't it his voices that led him to Australia? And it's eight-year-old Kevin that told him it was the Itsy Bitsy Spider? Yes, that he had to sing to stop the rain. So he didn't lead him to Australia, though, right? It doesn't seem that way, does it? Oh. I mean, we can ra- try to rationalize this and go round and round, but ultimately, this is just crazy white fellow thinking. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that, that's that's what I chalk that up to. But I think you're right that in a, in a roundabout way, Kevin is his guide through Australia, but not he didn't lead it, bring him to Australia. Did I bring him to Australia. He was lost and confused. Then Tony gave him a bit of. A helping hand, and then he knew the way. I love that Tony story so much. <laughs> We're almost there. We'll, we'll start. We'll talk about that in a bit. But that is fantastic stuff. But so 
uh, Matt says that children don't feature prominently in scripture. Now, this is interesting here uh, because the senior says, well, what about Abraham's kid, Isaac? Are you familiar with Abraham and Isaac at all? No, not okay. quite. I do see that there's an Isaac page that uh, yes. senior sees later. Yes. Like, huh. I saw Isaac was brought up. Mr. Sal will tell me all about this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so let me tell you about <laughs> let me tell you about Abraham and Isaac. Uh, I think it was an Isaiah page, not Isaac. Okay, my bad then. I thought I thought it was the same person because I was like, oh, I, okay. But ultimately, I didn't do a whole lot of research into that passage from Isaiah because I I couldn't make out which part of it. It's a long longish book of the Bible. I wasn't going to read the whole thing uh, because uh, I mean. On some level, you can pretty much connect pretty much any scripture passage to pretty much any episode of The Leftovers. So, so I wasn't going to go through that. But I will tell you about Abraham and Isaac. This is interesting for the context of, of this part of the story and the rest of the series as well. So uh, Abraham was, was very old. He's, I think, 90 or in his 90s. Now, this is re as reported in the Bible, which, I mean, ages are ridiculously skewed in the bible what do you mean by that like people are very old or oh yeah like noah when he built the ark was like 140 or something like that like it's it's ridiculous people live to be like 400 years old it's 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 crazy okay. but abraham was uh very very old actually no he i don't think he was in his 90s he, and, he, was anyway, old. he, he was old he was too old to be having children right. and his wife uh, he did not have any children. He and his wife, uh, Sarah, did not have any children. Uh, and they, they were too old to even have children. But God makes him a promise that he is going to make his descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Abraham's you know, a little incredulous of this because they're so old. But he does end up having, he and Sarah do end up having this son, Isaac. Well, at one point, God tests Abraham by telling him he wants him to sacrifice Isaac to him. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's a bit of a catch twenty two there. Yes, it is. <laughs> but uh, Abraham, you know, reluctantly but willingly does start to you know he ties Isaac up and is about to kill him uh, to sacrifice him to God, and God stops him and says, "You've proven." you know, your, your loyalty to me, don't, don't kill your son. Your son can live. Okay. Now he does it anyways. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> and, and then Isaac, uh, if I remember, I got to try to remember the lineage here. Um, Isaac ultimately gives, uh, has a, a son named Jacob, who's a very famous figure in the Bible, who has a son named Joseph, who's like Joseph in the coat of many colors. Um, and, and it just descends from there to like all throughout uh, all the biblical figures are descended from Abraham. Okay. okay. So at any rate, uh, that's the story of Abraham and Isaac. Now there is uh, one catch to it. Uh, Isaac is usually portrayed in stories as being like, you know, eight or nine years old. But as Matt says here, and Isaac, Oh, I'm sorry. Isaac, yes, is, okay. is portrayed as being eight or nine years old. But as Matt says here, Isaac wasn't eight or nine years old. He was 36. <laughs> and so, and there is biblical 
Uh, is that real? In like the Bible, he's thirty six. Yeah, it, his father's trying to sacrifice him. So, so it's never it's never stated how old he is when Abraham sacrifices him, but what is stated is that the the story of the fact that Abraham almost sac- sacrificed him is what is alleged to have killed his mother Sarah. Like when she hears the story, she like dies of like a broken heart or something. Right. Yeah. So. Um, and if you work and they say how old she was when she had Isaac and they say how old she was when she died. So if you assume that, then Isaac ends up being like 36 or 37 years old. I think, I'm trying to think like, is he complaining about this matter at all? Complaining about what? Like Isaac. Is, is like I being sacrificed? Yeah. Oh, does he complain about it? Yeah. I mean, it's not in the Bible. He doesn't really. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but I, I would imagine that probably <laughs> if this is if this is a true story, there, which there, there 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 are a few ways I feel we could depict this story with him at thirty six, and it's either like a very sad, like he understands, or like a very angry, chaotic story. There's a lot. Mm-hmm. Anyway, though, okay. So, at any rate, this is a this is this is a good point, and this is also. That also uh, is a story about a father about to sacrifice his adult son. Yeah, so this this gets me thinking. How old is Kevin right now? Uh, so if Kevin was eight in 1981, and this is 2017? No, because the departure happened in 11, right? And so they're almost hitting the seven-year anniversary. So this would be 2018, I guess. Yeah. Okay, so then that puts him at, what's that, 27 plus 18 45? I lost track of when he was born. What is he, 81? This is 81 and he's 8, I think. Oh, yeah, he's 8, I forgot. So yeah, okay. he's born in 73, then that puts him at about 45 right now. So it's not exactly the same age as Isaac, but it's still his adult son. Yeah, taking his adult son and sacrifice to give him interesting. Yeah, and it would appear to me at the end, seniors thinking, I mean, okay, I saw what Grace did to the other possible Kevin. Yes, you did. <laughs> sure. And that was that was only on a page, right? That wasn't even the whole book. <laughs> I imagine what happens if you get your old hand on the book, which you'll do to Kevin. Oh my God! Well, nobody's gonna probably get their hand on that book at this point, but, but yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, Matt it, it continues. He he asks if he got the money that he sent him, uh, and Senior probably correctly identifies that that's like hush money, because he doesn't want him to tell Kevin about the book because at this point Kevin doesn't know about the book, right? And it's very important to Matt that he not know about the book. Uh, because it would not help him. It would, it would, it would uh, hinder his what he's doing. But Senior tells Matt that he should buy scuba gear because if he fails with what he's doing, he'll be under a lot of water. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we have not heard him say flood yet, right? That's a good hint. <laughs> right. But but there's a good hint that it's coming. Uh, so 
that's all for senior and Matt. Anything else you want to say about that? I mean, we uh, seniors end it with an F U to Matt, as per the tradition. Uh, Kevin, season one. Nora, <laughs> I believe season two. Maybe season. Maybe they both did a season one. I can't remember. But there's a tradition <laughs> of characters saying F U to Matt. <laughs> You're right. It finally Matt gets you know on the other side of it at the end of this episode. No, oh, which is I, very sweet. I love that. But yes, so Matt or Kevin or Senior gives him uh, the big F you at the end of this and is off to see Sharon. Okay, but on the way to on the way into Sharon's office, he throws the book away. Yeah, well, at first he had to use it to like help himself against the rain. Yeah. So that's one thing. I was like, oh, wow. He really doesn't care about that book. And then he threw it away. I'm like, okay. Have, can you, I, you know, I, I, I watched this and I'm like, I cannot imagine myself ever using a book to cover my head during a rainstorm. I mean, if you're going to throw it away, why not? Because it's a book. I mean, how dry is it really going to keep it? It's not going to be that much drier, but every bit matters. Do, oh, it does? I guess. I don't know. I, just want to get emot- <laughs> I mean, it is raining really hard. Yeah, I guess. Well, so. well, it's the difference between, especially your hair getting wet. Like then, then it'll take like some time to dry. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I guess so. But it turns out probably would have been good for his hair to get a little wet because maybe he wouldn't have been so easily recognizable from. No, he looks the exact. <laughs> I will say, I love the photo. He looks the exact same. Well, I wondered. I've always wondered if this is a very recent poster. Yeah, from like when he just got caught. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. If this was yeah. literally just from the other day when he got caught. Right. Or if this is... Uh, that's what I was wondering, too. Because they do show them taking, taking mugshots of him. Yeah, so I, I wonder... I, I I guess we have to presume it is, because they take mugshots of him. Yeah. I think that's the intention, for sure. But he's playing it pretty slick and sly here. Uh, but eventually, Sharon goes to get Christopher Sunday's address out of the file cabinet and looks right at the wanted poster. And that's when the, 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 the jig is up as they say, his goose is cooked. I love that expression. Why? What's, what's so great about that expression? You said that about any animal. Yeah, but his duck sounds, is cooked. It sounds best with goose. Okay. I submit that. <laughs> yeah. My students get a big kick out of it when I say that. <laughs> No, they don't. There's no way. You teach high school students. Maybe if oh. they were like younger, because they'd be like, oh, 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 goose is cooked. That's so no, funny. No, they, they do. They get a big kick out of it because they've never heard it before. And they're like, what the heck are you talking about? Yeah, no, they're confused. They're yeah. concerned, Mr. Sal. They're like, they're... ha, 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 crazy white felon thing. <laughs> Thank you. I was about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, he... He recognizes that she's recognized him and steals the address. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's like, let me explain. And then she starts reading off all his crimes and he just grabs it and runs. Yep. yep. Also, just to note, I guess, this is also where we learn um, Kevin Jr. wanted to be an anchorman when he grew up. That's true. For a bit. Then That's not too big of a deal, but. That's true. That's true. So he, he does steal the address and he does get to uh, to Christopher Sunday. He introduces himself and he says, he says, I'm Kevin Totem of the Bush Snake, which you already have pointed out that he's, he does say that. Um, 
Christopher Sunday, who goes by Chris, is a very good listener. He does a lot of listening in this scene. There's a lot of listening, probably a lot of bargaining and negotiating in his mind of, hmm, I've got something that he wants. Yep. What is he can do for me that I want? Yep. Yeah. So, uh, but he, he mostly just listens and senior spills all kinds of stuff to him. And basically tells oh. him almost his like his entire Australian story. Surely. Exactly. But he even tells him that, that he had, was hearing voices and that they told him to go to Australia. And but when he got to Australia, he had he hasn't heard from the voices since. So he has no idea what they wanted them to wanted him to do here. They just he just knew that they wanted him to be there, right? Um, he ran into a guy outside the Sydney Opera House uh, in a red headband who asked him, "Do you want to talk to God?" So, oh, I'm sorry. I, I have to cut you off for two things. Yeah, we go on here just because I wonder why. He never thought of leaving Australia, even for just a moment to see the voices came back. Well, you could ask point. them for like more guidance, right? He's like, "Listen, voices, I got there. You guys shut up, and they didn't know what to do next." And I'm like, "Go to Australia, <laughs> talk to the man yeah. with the red headband." Second thing, they specify this guy has a red headband. Yes, noted. Okay. I don't know. If, I don't know. I don't know if we're ever gonna see it, but if I see someone with a red headband and they start talking. I'll start looking very intently. Okay. All right. But he's, he says, do you want do you want to talk to God now? Of course, you say that to senior, senior's going to say yes. Yeah. He wants to talk to God. And he took this thing, this substance called God's tongue. I didn't know it was this easy. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, he, God's tongue. And he wakes up two weeks later in a hotel in Perth. And there's a smoldering mattress in the hotel. So, anything you want to say about People that? War paint. Oh, I, I love this so much. Okay, it, it shows. So this is a lineage of during International Assassin. So this is during season yes. two. This basically tells us where he was during season two because we never. We, the only time we ever really see him in season two is at like the very beginning. Yep. And this little small tidbit in International Assassin. That's right. So. That's right, and this I agree. I think this is telling us how he made that connection he was a high on god's tongue he says he was high on does he say on god's tongue i think so i remember hearing god's tongue before. i'm pretty sure he does yeah so he says he was high on god's tongue in international assassin he says he was in a hotel room in perth in international assassin and now he's telling the story to christopher sunday by the way do you know where perth is it's on it's on west australia it's on the west coast yeah right on the west coast and in, most of australia is on the east coast including yes sydney. including sydney where he started so it's all the way across the outback on the other side of australia it is a very long way from where he was when he took that stuff i do love that how he ended up in perth somehow yeah yeah but but when he wakes up in this hotel in perth there's a story on the tv about tony the chicken which this is this is a cool story that it is i i like this i haven't thought of the inverse of this you know we've thought of um uh like miracle, largest kind of place where people have survived. I haven't thought of the most people to disappear from a place. Right, right. We, this, it's something we've never thought about. We've never heard about this. But it's the entire community, which is only fourteen people. It was very small, but the entire community uh, w- uh, vanished on on uh, during the Great Departure. 
and every, everything everything living like all the animals which we have not heard about animals departing yet yeah so apparently animals departed at least from this village and everything was gone except for this egg and when it hatched it was a, it was a chicken and they named it tony reasonable <laughs> reasonable yes i suppose so but tony is said to have mystical powers and can help people find what they're looking for so naturally, you know, if Senior's going to take God's tongue to talk to God about it, he's going to go talk to Tony about it. Tony, where are your parents? <laughs> yes, that would be a great question for Tony. <laughs> Very curious. Yeah, yeah. But he, you know, what he's asked the question when he gets there, what is it that you want? And senior says i want you know purpose purpose is what i want um if we remember back to episode one i'm sorry episode eight of season one cairo uh patty tells kevin that that's what the guilty remnant gives the people gives them purpose mm -hmm. so this this is something of a theme of the leftovers as well people searching for purpose i would argue that that is tommy's entire character <laughs> is searching for his purpose mm -hmm. so uh that's what he tells tony that he wants he wants purpose tony starts pecking at that niagara falls 1981 cassette with kevin jr on it and so go ahead oh, no, no 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 keep going okay and senior plays the cassette from wherever it is doesn't rewind it nothing and uh it's shortly uh, after uh, i'm sorry he tells christopher sunday that the uh the tape the trip that they took was shortly after his wife died so we know that kevin was very young when his mother died as well um and senior gets even a little bit emotional talking about that okay but on the tape where right where it was when tony packed it so he didn't rewind it or anything is this event that happened uh kevin senior and junior got stuck in a rainstorm and junior implored his father to sing the itsy bitsy spider which he did and as soon as he did the rain stopped beautiful yeah it is it's 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 a really interesting story i love trying to i do <laughs> i do love how He's hyping. Like, I, I'm so ready for what's going to be said on this tape, right? Something profound. And I mean, it's cool. He, it, it, it seems like perhaps Senior stopped the rain, but it's the itsy bitsy spider. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. But the point is that it was raining, it was pouring rain. Senior sings, the rain stops. And Senior takes this to mean that he believes that on the seventh anniversary, a great flood will come and he has to sing to make it stop. He tells Christopher Sunday that he's been traveling the song line for two years. He doesn't, he, he's learned a different part in every community. And the only part of the song that he doesn't know yet is the, is the one that Christopher Sunday knows. Chris is the last living person who has this song. But how, how does he know it's going to be the seventh anniversary of it? Or whatever. Yeah. I, I think that's just like, his thinking okay i think he well we remember he's been in contact with matt too and matt has been preaching about the seventh anniversary as well so okay, maybe so maybe they came up with something okay yeah i think that's a reasonable assumption to make but um 
Chris does have the last song, but he says that his song brings the rain, doesn't stop it. But Senior wants it anyway. Uh, and Chris says, well, if you want to start and stop the flood, start there and points at his ceiling, which is leaking. Uh, I assume this is like an air conditioning unit or something. It looks like it. So as as not a parent, well, also a parent, but as a homeowner, yeah. how do you feel seeing that much water come out of a roof? Oh, miserable. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> miserable. That, that wrecks my month. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand how Christopher Sunday is so calm about this. He knew. He knew help was on the way. Uh, so next time this happens to you, Mister Sal, don't don't get up and try to call like a plumber, or contractor, or roofer. Wait, help will come. The water won't do that much damage. Okay, uh, maybe I can get in touch with Tony the Chicken and he can help me out. Uh, he'll point you in the right direction. <laughs> but. Senior enthusiastically agrees to help fix the leaky leaky ceiling here. And he's up there working on it. And Chris asks him uh, if he can fix it. He says, I think so. I just need a couple of things. Uh, but as he's talking to, to him, up pulls uh, Sharon in her car. And Senior starts freaking out. I mean, he does not play it cool at all. No, no, no. He does not play very cool one bit. And then he yeah. promptly slips off the roof. This was a series of like... So when... So if we go back to where Chris is... Or where we learned Chris is the only person that knows this song. My first yeah. thought is, oh no, something could happen to Chris. Right? Like they've specified he's the only one that knows this song. Oh yeah. Something could happen to him. But when Senior slipped off, I'm like, oh no, something happened to Senior instead. Because mm-hmm. then we cut to the ambulance. I didn't at first realize it was Chris. I was like, oh no, Senior. Senior, yeah. no. And I'm like, oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. It's a good point. I but... thought they completely flipped the script on me there. Something's going to happen to Chris. No. They flipped it so much that it was 360. Yeah, they flipped the script, but they kept flipping it, and it just, yeah, it did a full rotation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, yeah, uh, so Senior falls off the roof, knocks over Christopher Sunday. Next thing we know, he's in. A, they're in an ambulance together, and Senior is just completely impatient with the EMT, uh, you know, trying like crazy to wake up Christopher Sunday and talk to him and get him to tell him his song and Chris isn't budging. And this guy ultimately gets fed up. Like when senior says something about like, you know, you respect your elders. I'm an initiated member of the blah, blah, blah. Um, and the guy literally throws him out of the ambulance in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. With crutches though. and his belongings. Oh, that's true. He does throw gave him a fighting chance. I guess so. I guess so. Those, those crutches, they not look the right size for him. I mean, they they should be adjustable. I, I I'm just saying, he didn't seem to be using them. Like, I've never really had. I've never had these crutches. Oh, they're miserable. But he did not seem to use the crutches correctly. I mean, I don't know. Just didn't look. But maybe yeah. both his feet were messed up, and that's why he's using them in that way. Uh, who knows? I my my guess is they just they didn't adjust them for him, and he just wasn't going to take the time to adjust it or <laughs> know how. 
How oh. rude of the EMT. Not to just the crutches from, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, I would argue that Senior is lucky that he got the crutches at all. Because <laughs> this, this EMT was done with Senior. Like, is that legal, what the EMT did? Is that is that illegal? Like, if someone's in your car, let's say you're in the middle of, like, Nevada, Death Valley, like, on a road or something, and it's your car. Can you kick someone out of your car and, like, drive off? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Is that illegal? I wonder. Is it attempted murder or murder? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, is it manslaughter in any degree, or yes? Yeah, I guess murder? it would end up being manslaughter. It wouldn't be murder. Why, but... though? Because you didn't actually physically... Kill the person. Yeah. And I didn't do anything to kill them. I just told them to get out of my car. Listen, what if someone got out of my car and walked into, like, a, the road and got hit by a car? I don't know. Nah. Who said they would die in Death Valley? Who could have guessed? It's, a, it's really good... not in the name. <laughs> Death yeah. Maybe it's maybe it's not. Maybe no, it's yeah, not. I wonder if it's some sort of neglect. I, I don't know. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm curious on that now. Okay. Hmm. I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. But, All right, you let me know if you do. I, I I will. I'm very curious now if I remember this. <laughs> All right. Ne- the next thing that happens is to me the most, one of the most interesting things in the episode. I think Grace's like soliloquy at the end is the most interesting thing in the episode. This yes. is is a close second. It's this, interesting. Very it, interesting. It's been, it's interesting, and I will tell you that this plays a significant role. Uh, in the next episode, actually. So he comes across a car, which seems like he's saved, except that the guy who's driving the car gets out of the car, dumps gasoline all over the car, and then dumps gasoline all over himself. Yeah, you and, immediately know what that means. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, hey, you know what? You want to. I, I don't understand why both. Yeah, why are you taking out your car, too? Yeah, well, I understand taking out your car if you're on the run. Yeah, yeah, but why, if you're taking yourself out, why are you taking your car out? That's the part I don't get. Yeah. But, anyway. If I can't have it, no one can have it mentality. Yeah, seriously, it's like, I senior could have used that car. He really could have. That's Like, he was too busy trying to help this guy. I'm like, why am I trying to save this car? I mean, Yeah, exactly. You need the car, not the guy. This guy's unstable. This car looks pretty stable. Yeah, and this guy is just like going on and on. They didn't take me. They didn't take me. And seniors like, hey, they didn't take most of us. Get over it. <laughs> but then the guy asks him this weird question: Would you kill a baby if it would cure cancer? Okay, we can talk about that question in a minute. But senior, with you know, wants it, wants the question repeated. But then pretty immediately after hearing it a second time, just says, no, 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 definitely not. Uh, and that's exactly what the guy said. The guy said, that's just what I said. And then he starts himself on fire and the car explodes. So what, what do you think of this question? Would well, you so, before, so before even I answered the question, I should have to say the significance that Senior would say no to that. Right? Oh, because yeah, his sure. wife died to cancer. His wife died of cancer. And we know, well, you think you know what his plan is at the end of this episode. Now, Kevin, oh, yeah. Yeah, Kevin awesome. not a baby, but he is. He's his... not, well, he's not a baby. And if, if what is said correctly 
in the Book of Kevin. Now, maybe you can uh, extrapolate to whether uh, he can die in Miracle or he can die any or he can't die in Miracle, can't die anywhere. If he can't die anywhere, then he's not really killing his baby in that way. Right. He's just he's just sending him to go sing Homeward Bound for like the nth time. <laughs> but I. It, I mean, I feel like most people... Well, it, it depends, like... So... I know a bit of The Leftovers has been spoiled for me. In oh, no. Sense, well, no, I've already told you about this. So I'm not going to say here. It, it's something to do with nuclear. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I spoke yeah, about yeah. it with you. And yes, someone yeah, just watched yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And, and this question reminds me of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but... What... I feel like most people, like, if you have to physically like strangle a baby, that's a hard thing to do. But curing right. cancer is also a really great thing to do. My question is, would people know I'm the one that did? It? If no one would know, I don't know. I think I would say yes. I think I think it's worth killing a baby to cure cancer. I feel like that's a because babies. Okay, how many babies die of cancer if it's more than one? There you go. All right. So I, I guess the. Your qualifications, I think, do make a big difference here. Like, am am I the one who's physically killing the baby? That makes it a lot harder. Or am I just saying, if, am I just giving a nod to a doctor saying, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you snap your finger and boom. Right. <laughs> a baby dies and cancer is gone. Right. Yeah. But even the worst case situation where I have to kill the baby, I still think it's worth it. Okay. What about um, you? What? What about you? Would you? If if I have to do it, I don't think I'm capable of doing it. Well, see now, and that's a much harder thing if I'm actually put in the situation. But I feel like mm. is the baby crying? <laughs> makes it a lot easier. Is, <laughs> is it crying on an airplane? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a good question. But if you had to snap your fingers, Mister South, like give us the nod. We got it ready to go here. Oh, it's still like, uh, then the other question is, is like, is this my baby? Is this like my just a baby? Like an anonymous baby. Well, no, no, it could be your baby, but like we're randomly picking a baby. That's all we're saying. So. Well, if, if it's my baby, like if there's a chance that it's my baby, then I. I yeah, but Michelle, there's a lot of babies. There's millions of babies. So like, you know. Okay. But. So if I know that my wife is pre- is nine months pregnant, and she's in labor, yeah, yeah, okay. So your wife's in labor. The doctor pulls you aside, Mr. Sal, Mr. Sal, come here real quick. I'm like, okay, they'll listen, Mr. Sal, and they they show you the screen, and the president, right, world leaders come around, sit by you, right. Putin's in there, the president, every strong world leader's like, Mr. Sal, we need you to make a decision. <laughs> and, well, you know, you're you've been freaking out. Your wife's in labor. It's not your first child. Congratulations, by the way. But, <laughs> you know, it's still a stressful time, I'm sure. And they ask you the question. We've got it on the ready. A, a random baby out there. We'll take it out, but then we can cure cancer, Mr. Sal. On your go. Do you want us to execute? Uh, I mean, it depends on what Putin is saying here. <laughs> no, Putin's quiet. Only the president's talking. <laughs> All the world, like it's all the world leaders. Right? Yeah, like, I, I, I'm just kidding about okay, that. I, I, I think that I think if 
if there's a chance that it's my baby, there's no way I say yes. Really? That was yeah. just how, that my next question to you is like, what if your wife gets cancer? Like, would you would you kick yourself about that? Like, ah, oh. that I mean, because is there a chance your wife could get cancer? Yeah, sure, there is. Yeah, um, but I think that, and I feel like, then I was, I was going to say this: there's a greater chance someone you know, well, at least like someone in your immediate family, like your wife, could get cancer. Yeah. Versus the odds of out of all the babies in the world, your baby being the one chosen. Okay, so uh, we talk about the trolley problem all the time. Okay, and one of the ways that you've described the trolley problem to me is is that you know you pull the switch, it moves. Mm-hmm. If you don't, or you can do nothing, and it still kills. What? It kill it kills five people if you do nothing. One if you pull the switch, but you you have more cop culpability. If you pull right. the switch. Exactly. So to, to me, I, I kind of view it in this light. If I do nothing, then nothing changes and life goes on just as it always has. And I haven't killed a baby. But in your head though, Mr. Sal. In my head, what? Like if someone you know very closely gets cancer and passes away because of it. Like like the next day? or I like, say Maybe like a decade down the line. Uh, I don't feel bad about it. Okay. Uh, that's a that's a take. If, I don't think I could do that. I think I would feel bad. I would feel culpable in the other sense. Like, I'll tell you where. I'll t- here's a scenario where I would feel really bad about it. If that baby that I spared dies of cancer at like age four, <laughs> so, like that, then I'd be like, well, what was the point of this? That was that was terrible. So, but no, no, you don't get another baby. I think it should be. You don't get another baby. Okay, how about this? Perfectly fine baby. Here, okay, same same situation, right? Your your wife's giving. I it now doesn't matter that your wife's giving birth, but she's giving birth. I know that you'd say no if it was your own baby. Your wife's giving birth. You get pulled aside, and it's like a one way mirror, and it's like the room over of your wife. So your wife's giving birth, but the room next to her, your wife, someone else is giving birth, and they're like this lady right here, she's having a baby. We're gonna have to kill this baby to cure cancer. It's just how. Do we have your go ahead? And you don't know this, like woman and her husband at all. You just, I oh god. So now, now you know the baby. It is not your baby. It's just the baby right next to your baby. Ah, uh, it's it's so hard. I hope I'm never in this situation where I have to make this decision. You know, I I, I don't. I I still don't think I'm capable of making that choice. I I don't think I could do it. Aid will give you three million on top of it. Oh yeah, then it definitely yes. Well, <laughs> sure. okay, like, really, the money. I was like, I was like, surely no amount of money can really no. change that. No, I'm kidding. I don't think I don't think I have anywhere near the ability to give the okay to kill a baby, no matter what the result of killing that baby is. Fair enough. Okay. But, but I, but I can see, I can see people. Saying yes, I understand the the, I understand the logic of it. I understand the rationality of it, and it makes complete sense. I just don't think I have the guts to do it. But you don't have to kill the baby. No, I look. You're not. You're not the executioner. You, you're, you're just. Not, you're just a judge. You. I mean, <laughs> you a judge of a baby. <laughs> you, you're but not the executioner. It's just a judge. You, and you, don't I, e- you don't even have to see the act be done. You just have to. 
<laughs> you and I have talked about, about how prominent my feelings of guilt are within me. You know, the, like guilt is one of my dominant emotions. Like if I have to live with the knowledge that I killed a baby, I, I'm going to feel a lot of guilt. But then at the same time, if I have to live with the, the knowledge that I didn't save everybody who dies of cancer from that point forward. Yeah, what if like three, you know, three people close to you that die of cancer within a decade? Would you be like, I, I mean, you know, all I'd have to do is look at the statistics of the thousands of millions or however many people it is that die of cancer every year. And I, that's going to make me feel guilt. Too. You know, you know, oh, sorry, like, finish your thought. No, I, I, I hate this scenario so much. I, I would never want to be put in this situation. I just want to say, we have talked about the flip side of it, of, you know, the worst case for, you see, you spoke about if you let the kid live and then he ends up dying of cancer very young anyway. Yeah. The flip side of that is you give the go-ahead to kill the, the the baby and then right afterward, like a minute afterward, it turns out there was a cure for cancer that just got released. Well, Separate, then... separate from your thought. Like they, they already got a cure to cancer. Oh, I'd be so... And so, like, look, you're there with the person, person like, oh, wow. Looks like the, the pharmaceutical company here already figured out a way to cancer. Looks like we didn't have to do that, guys. Wow. Oh. <laughs> yeah i this is this, i this this whole scenario makes me so uncomfortable i hate it so much like it, it it's so when, when he poses the question on the show i'm like oh god i don't what a horrible situation i'm so, I, like i feel so bad for the guy i think that, it's a horrible situation but i think there's a right choice yeah I, i'm sure you do <laughs> but maybe that's because i'm not a parent well, yeah, that I'm, maybe, but I don't know. I, I, I'm sure there are parents that would, that would make that choice. Probably. I'm sure there are. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, but man, it, it is tricky, and there are so many caveats. I would have so many questions. You know, stop <laughs> asking questions, Mr. Sal. Yeah. You're you're the judge, not a lawyer. But ultimately, I feel like whatever I would land on the decision where I do nothing because I don't want the direct culpability. I see what you mean. Yeah, and that's why I like with the trolley problem. Sometimes people ask it in weird ways, but I like the one where you show people the culpability because they're so. Have we talked about the like the the big person, like the fat person, person the trolley problem? I don't think so. So it's it's like the same. Well, it's instead of hitting a switch to swap the trolley over. You push a fat person in front of the trolley, and that stops the trolley, saving five people. Huh. So either you and you're behind the person, so you can push them, and you will kill them, but you'll save five people. And if you don't do anything, five people die. It's the same net sum as pulling the switch, right? If you pull the huh. switch, you kill one person, but it just feels like you're more responsible for their death. Which it kind of, I mean, you're pushing them over, but it's the same amount of responsibility. You do nothing. Five yeah. people die. You do something. You know, it's to say it, but it feels way more. Much more people will say no to pushing the person over. Understandably, I don't. I wouldn't push the person over, but I feel like I, I might be capable of hitting the switch. Huh? But it's the same. It's the same amount of culpability, right? You're killing someone either way. Yeah. So. Oh man, anyway. these these problems make me so uncomfortable. I'm so glad I don't actually have to make these decisions. Just know, Mister Self, if you're ever, if I, I'm waiting for the day in my life where I'm, I'm. I like a command. I'm always going to avoid being by a command center or a switch for a trolley. But if somehow I find my way 
a trolley that's operating or a train maybe and i'm by the switch and i look over the train tracks and i see it i'm like oh this is the trolley problem <laughs> it's my time to shine yeah do you ever watch the good place i don't know what that is no wait no, I've seen the Good Fellas. No, I've not seen the Good Place. It's a TV show. It's a, uh, about uh, a, a group of people who die and they're in what's called the Good Place. Okay. Uh, you know, it's it's like a, a similar. It's supposed to be like heaven, but this very, is like a, it's like a sitcom. Or is this yeah, like it's a, a drama. Very, okay, I was like, this is either a sitcom or a drama. No, it's a sitcom. It's a very funny show, um, and it, they do a lot with the trolley problem. Uh, one of the people in the group is a, was a philosophy professor in life. Okay. And so he, he spends a lot of time thinking about and talking about these moral dilemmas. And he talks about, there's a whole episode, I think the episode might be called The Trolley Problem. But anyway, they, they do a lot with it on that show. Then and at one point, they, one of them is, I think he is actually on a trolley and has to decide whether to pull the switch or not. I, was like, I I love um, hypotheticals. That was great. Yes, you do. Good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed this one. Yeah. This was an interesting discussion. Uh, I'm glad that I don't actually have to make this decision. Be weary if you have another kid, Mister Sal. The president and other world leaders might be waiting. Okay. Now, now I know if you ever have like another child. You're going to the hospital, and you see, like, the president's limousine pull up. You're going to be sweating bullets. Let me tell you something. <laughs> if if I ever am going to the hospital because I'm about to have another child, I'm going to be sweating bullets anyway. <laughs> Surely your level of sweat must go a little more, though. You'll be like, wait, the president's here? Oh, no. Yeah, I, I'm really uh, anticipating not having any more children. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah, by the way, the episode of The Good Place is called The Trolley Problem. It is season two, episode five. Right. So, and I rated that one a 10 out of 10, actually. And really? I, I oh. did. That show is fantastic. It's really, really good. So, there's a lot of like sitcoms I want to watch. I want to watch like, like a Shit's Creek. Oh, uh, is damn near perfect. AP uh, Bio. Very, very funny. That's the one I want to watch. Uh, there's a lot on the list. A good place. I've heard of it before. So good. So maybe I'll put down the list if it's so highly get over. A lot of sitcoms I should get around to. And not even Perfect Strangers. I'm gonna get around to now. There's, there's <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of sitcoms. That, like I, I really used to like sitcoms. I still like them. I just I don't know. Why. I just don't put yeah. them in as much. But I still like. I like watching sitcoms. Sitcoms are, are good stuff. They, they, you know, I'm, I don't want to. I don't think I ever really want to podcast about a sitcom. No, no. There's not much to, like analyze about. It's just comedy. Yeah. It's like just say it's just repeating a joke. It's what the podcast would be like. Oh, so they made a joke here. Ha ha yep. ha. That was a funny joke, wasn't it? Really funny. <laughs> Not as funny as the next joke though. Ha ha ha. Yes, even more funny. <laughs> so there you go. That 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 was every sitcom ever analyzed. Yeah, very good, Kurt. Yeah. No problem. But yeah, Shits Shits Creek is is one of the best sitcoms that I've ever seen. It's it's is so pitch perfect, like every step of the way. Um, other sitcoms I love. I love Curb Your Enthusiasm. I love Arrested Development. Uh, I love The Good Place. Love Seinfeld's uh, one I should really watch. Seinfeld's pretty awesome. I love Seinfeld. Yeah. Um, the, Curb Your Enthusiasm is one of the creators of Seinfeld. It's like Seinfeld on steroids, basically. Oh, I forget. What, what's his name? 
Larry, Larry, Larry Davis. There you go. He's a funny guy. So. Larry David is awesome. Yeah. Very, very good stuff. Anyway, uh, let's get back to the episode here. Uh, after the, after the, this whole problem of would you kill the baby to cure cancer, the guy sets himself on fire. The car explodes. Uh, and <laughs> by the way, I don't know if you noticed this, but senior's hat that he's wearing in this scene is the same hat that Kevin was wearing in episode one. They both no. had the Mapleton PD hat. I never noticed Senior's hat once in this. I know he was wearing a hat, never looked at it. Yeah, that, that. It was the same as, as Junior's hat. So, anyway. Senior uh, is distraught at this point. He curses the sky. You can't stop me, a-hole. <laughs> it's, it's, he, he is just screaming uh and as soon as he says you can't stop me a hole uh, of course now there's a big storm uh the storm wouldn't be so much of a problem except that the cassette recorder was caught out in the storm and he tries to save it he can't and he cries he, he's very upset that this is gone so how how does a like a cassette keep it's like it's on film or what what is that even called like the Stuff that holds the audio. I mean, I, I we always call it tape. tape. I, I, but yeah, it's basically film, I think. How, like how how does that basically how does that work? Like how does well, how does water ruin that? Like what how does the audio stored on it? I mean, I I, I have like one, ma magnetic. Like is it? Like, no, I wonder that same thing. I can see it, how it would destroy the recorder because the recorder is electronic. Yeah. So that's fine, but I don't think it would do anything to the tape. Jonah, you still probably have some cassettes, right? I do. Dunk some in uh, like a cup of water. Give it a good test. I don't have anything to play uh, play them on. Okay. I'll, uh, so if I get you something to play it on, would you try it to dunk it in water? Sure. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say no. I, I was ready to tell you I'm willing to take that risk, but <laughs> it seems like you already are. Okay. Yeah, for the sake of science, I, I could do it. Okay. But I don't have a uh, anything to play it on, so you know. Okay. What's she gonna do? We'll find a way through that. I will say the one advantage, possible advantage, and now online streaming services kind of have this, but VHS and cassettes, the the only advantage they have to me over DVD mm -hmm. when I was younger was you could it it kept your spot. Yes. So that that was something I really liked as a kid. I remember I had some VHSs, and yeah. I could not understand why the VHS kept its spot, and the DVD didn't. <laughs> what also really annoyed me was as a kid, I never re rewound rewound my VHSs. So like whenever I went to watch something on VHS, I would always have to rewind it. Oh man! I had to sit around. I'm like, oh. hey, and I was also very impatient. So like I hit the rewind to the max, and I'd be like, "Okay, is it done yet?" And then I'd hit play, and it'd <laughs> be like, "Ah." Yeah, it's, it's tough to find where you want to go on a cassette. No good. No good. That's, that's a missed thing among DVDs. They don't keep where you were. That's that. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they do. I, I feel like it's hit or miss. Like sometimes I turn my DVD player on, I left the DVD in, and it picks up right where I left off. Otherwise, other times I have to like go from the main menu. And... Oh, and I haven't used DVDs in like forever, like probably a decade. <laughs> You know, it's interesting. I, I think I've told you, I'm I'm watching the leftovers on a Blu-ray. Yeah, you like you you have a collection. I do. I have I have a collection, and 
the leftovers specifically, I was like, you know what, this is my favorite series. And I don't want to, I don't want my ability to watch the leftovers to be dependent on my having an HBO subscription. So, so I, I, I have the, the Blu-rays, um, but on this season, and it wasn't this way in season one or two, but in this season, there's a warning before every episode that's a, that is addressed to Aboriginal tribes. And the warning is you know, that this, this season of television contains depictions of people who may be deceased. Huh. So, I can't remember if that's what I see when I watch it, but I don't keep track enough. I don't, I don't think so. I've never seen it before I started watching it on, on Blu-ray here. Okay. But, so I don't know if they have uh, like a fear or uh, belief about images and voices of dead people oh okay i see what you mean about it being you know bad luck or cursed or or anything like that hmm. it sure sounds like it i mean yeah that's that's a pretty good guess i was very curious i, I was wondering whether that's not a bad guess yeah that's what i figure hmm. yeah you know so eventually senior starts to make his way across the outback here and he comes across a snake and we know that the snake is his totem. He told that to Christopher Sunday and he tells it to the snake Sick snake. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. But remember you helped possibly the next Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. It's for the greater good. So he tries to kill the snake with his crutches. The snake appears to be dead. It is not. And it bites him. And it is a little bit scary. So I also say, back to when he tried playing the cassette and all he heard was, like, distortion, I really thought, like, he's going to hear a message in the distorted cassette. Yeah, yeah. I was really waiting for it. Like, at some point in the episode, he'd play it and then it'd say something really weird. Mm-hmm. It'd be like, get to Perth. And he'd be like, oh, Perth. <laughs> something. Oh, man, I was just there. Yeah. Oh, shucks. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of... <laughs> Oh man, yeah, but no, you don't really hear anything. At least I couldn't make anything out. No, no, he never really plays it again. So yeah, yeah. But anyway, he gets bit by the snake, and he is in a very bad. He's in very bad shape, but he ultimately comes across this crucifix, and he he just basically sits down at the crucifix, at, right at the base of it. He he writes something on the page. That he tore out. Did you catch what he wrote? No, I didn't either. I'm not sure it's possible to catch what he wrote. Honestly, <laughs> I don't know. You could. I didn't even like a try to. No, I, I would have in this case. I don't. I don't think you can. I think that it's a, it's a complete mystery what it is that he wrote on that page. But regardless, he did it, um, and he sits. He sits down at the base of it. He, he writes something on the page. And it's almost as though he resigns himself to death. Is that what it seems like to you? Yeah, it looks like he's ready to die. Cause he got, he's got, like, you know, he's laying on the cross. It shows where his crutches are positioned. He's kind of like, you know. Yeah. Huh. He's getting, I think, yeah, I thought he was getting ready to die. And I wonder what he wrote on that page. I, I would like to know. But I do not. But, yeah, it looks like he's starting to rest on the cross. But then help comes on a horse. Yes. Not also the season in horses, but. Yeah, there's a lot of horses in the season. Did you did you 
did you have any idea that this would be one of the women that um... so I, I guess it was either going to be like well, it, I, I guess either Grace just because she's the only she seemed to be the most important woman right of the law. whose name we catch I think yeah exactly yeah exactly and uh, she's also one that like instigated um Aussie yeah. Kevin's death yes so I was like either this is Grace or this is somehow like Kevin's you know he's traveled to Australia. This is Kevin somehow finding his father through whatever means, and we'll figure out. So I thought it was either going to be Kevin or it was going to be Grace. And you were right. It was Kevin. It was Kevin or Grace. (laughs) Yes. It was Grace. That it was. So, and we actually don't see her in that scene, though, do we? No, we don't. No, so I was like, is that Grace? Oh, I didn't know who it was. I was like, who's the one that saved him? Right. And we don't find out for quite a while who it was. So, uh, because the next thing we get is him waking up in a house with an IV and a catheter and he rips the catheter out. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> like, wow. I just can't even imagine. Um, but it seems like no one's home. But he finds a phone. He calls Matt. And now when we see Matt, he is like dripping sweat off of his nose. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just really hot. It is Texas. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but it's been three weeks since they last spoke. So he has been out for quite a while. That is, yeah. That's actually, yeah, that is a super long time. Three. Three weeks. Yeah, that, that that's crazy. But Matt wants his copy of the book back because now at this point he has given Kevin. <laughs> he, he didn't even like finish his little sentence before he was like, I have to do that away. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, you gotta get over that book, man. You ever you ever have a candy? You know, you eat it once, you throw away the wrapper. You don't keep the wrapper around <laughs> the same way, you know. <laughs> Opened yeah. the book, gave it a good look, threw it away. Yeah, I mean, it, it was very dismissive. He's like, "You gotta get over that, man." He does. He tells him like he's got to get past that dumb book. <laughs> yeah. There are more important matters. So. Yes, yes. And he says, "I need your help finding Christopher Sunday," and. Matt is done. As soon as he says, you got to get over that book, man. Uh, Matt's done. And he ends the conversation. So, so satisfyingly with a go F yourself. (laughs) Hang up. You got to root for Matt there. Yeah. Matt is pretty awesome. So, so was he wrapped in a blanket and sweating? I mean, I couldn't tell if he was sweating, but he was definitely wrapped in a blanket, yeah. I mean, there was liquid dripping off of his nose. Well, then he was certainly sweating. (laughs) Or crying from his skin. From his skin? All things are possible and miracle, I've heard. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, so so anyway, something was going on there. Um, Sauna. Oh, didn't think about sauna. Anyway. Um... Senior starts walking around and he recognizes there are people outside of the building that he's in. And he sees like the, the bottom of a boat and he sees like half of a chapel or a church. Yeah. So first of all, this chapel looks a lot like a chapel I saw before. Oh yeah, it does. Okay. So it's not just me. Okay. No. Which chapel is it? Go ahead. It'd be the chapel that I already forgot the name of this. Uh, group that they were based on but from the very first episode of the season uh very first part of it the chapel this lady kept going to to hear of when the rapture might happen yeah the millerites millerites there we go 
yeah yeah it does look just like that chapel uh i i would assume that this is not that chapel no because we're all in australia well, we don't know where the Millerites were. Well, I guess we do. We know that the Millerites were those. Yeah, we, we don't know if those were Millerites. They right. were based on the Millerites that could have not yeah. been, but yeah, 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 exactly. They so, could have, you know, but maybe they transported this entire Millerite uh, chapel all the way here to Australia. They they they've transported important like they they transported the Unabomber shed. Did but, they really? Yeah. <laughs> Move this whole shed. Okay. So. so is this is this still the Millerites Chapel then? If they did that, like is it? The and, yeah, we, I don't think there's ever any confirmation that they're in the New World. They all look kind of dressed like it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I th- I think the point is that it is meant to resemble it, but not be the actual chapel. Yeah, it makes you think of it. Yeah, exactly. Which is is good. That's because right. we bring up the rapture again here. So yeah, exactly. You you should be thinking about the Millerites. You should be thinking about the Millerites kind of throughout this whole series. It I was, never not think about the Millerites. We'll put right. it that way. That's good. That's that's really good. You should keep them somewhere tucked in your mind with somewhere easily accessible. Yeah, I had a test the other day and I just wrote down Millerites. Couldn't stop thinking about them. Was it the right answer? No, clearly not. Well, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh man uh when you saw the building going on outside did you think they were building a boat building a church or building i thought they were building a boat i thought they were taking because my first i didn't i I wasn't thinking about how they're on australia and stuff so i thought that was the exact same chapel and that well that chapel was whole before and this boat is looking pretty new and okay you know and uh seniors worried about a flood so yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking as well, is that they were taking the chapel apart in order to build the boat. But anyway, he uh, Senior goes outside to talk to the builders uh, and ask if any of them know Christopher Sunday. Uh, one, one of them is kind of a wisecracker. Which... I love the music that starts up here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. The, the one is like, oh, yeah, you know, Australia is a small country. We all know each other. <laughs> but but one of them actually did know Christopher Sunday, and it turns out Christopher Sunday is now dead. Yeah, it's very, very sad. There's also the... Well, before he even asked him, he asked him, like, are you guys building this for the Flood? And he's just so happy. Oh, yeah. When he learns this is for the Flood. Yeah, it's as though, you know, he's he's on the inside now. He's got, He found people who, uh, he, who can be his little echo chamber. Hmm. Right. Finally get him. Yep, exactly. But he goes back in the house. I mean, this is this is devastating news for him, because if Christopher Sunday's dead, his song died with him, and that's the one song he needed to complete the song line. We better so, start practicing swimming. Practicing swimming, yeah, I guess so. But what did he say to Matt? Buy some scuba gear. Yeah, oh, that too. That's not a bad shout. Yeah. Look for Atlantis. I'm sure they've already been set up for a while now. It's been probably a few thousand years. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Good point. But. He's apparently in a lot of pain because he finds the dog, whose name is Caleb, finds Caleb's arthritis. I love this so much. The dog, like, why? He's like, I'm in so much pain. Yeah. and But he doesn't just take, like, one or two. Listen, dogs are pretty, you know, compared to a human, that dog, you know, weighs maybe a third. Yeah. Maybe half the weight of the human. I say probably a third. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Maybe even a fourth. Yeah, I think maybe even a fourth. I mean, depending on the size of the human, obviously, but 
that dog didn't look that big. I'd put that dog at maybe, maybe 40 pounds. I, I have no sense of how big I am. I know how big my cat's 10 pounds. Okay. So the, I'm putting this dog at roughly four times the the weight of your cat. My cat weighs about as like a, a bit more. Yep. There you go. Blows okay. my mind how something can weigh that little. <laughs> like manage to like do things in life. Like how? Like it's so small. I and mean, like he eats, and I'm like I don't understand how. I don't know. Amazes me how how it can weigh so little yet do so much. It can like run around, interact with the world. Mm-hmm. And, Anyway, amazing life. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, but he takes, Senior takes a lot of these arthritis pills, and he does kind of rifle through the refrigerator and the freezer. He finds some cheese in the refrigerator, not much else, and he finds a photo album in the freezer. Which, yeah, you ever keep a photo album in a freezer? Like, mm-hmm. what is this for? <laughs> but that's where he finds it. And he, he starts going through the photo album he sees this family growing i uh, sees multiple adoption certificates and he sees a page from isaiah uh chapter 41 which like i said i did not read all of this so and we, we do see this is grace's uh, scrapbook her name is in there her name is in there grace, hey, uh, grace something forward playford uh, playford yep it's in there playford and so is her husband's name yeah and obviously photos of her i was like okay Grace, Grace saved him. That's what I was yeah. thinking. Here. Okay. Yes. And when we see the seesaw. Like, oh. oh. <laughs> Isn't that, like, when you see the seesaw, you almost, like, do a double take. Like, oh, oh. definitely oh. Grace that saved him here. Okay. Yeah. They, I mean, they literally put a seesaw right on the edge of a body of water. It's kind of weird. Man, as long as I don't get tied up or anything. It's a fun time. People swim. Yeah, I wonder how common this is to put a seesaw right at the edge of a body of water. That might be fun on like a hot day. Australia, yeah. I imagine, gets really hot, especially like inland by the outback. Yeah, that that makes sense. No, but we also see the chapel hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we, and we see... do another taking it apart. Yep, and we see the whole family all together. It's it's the Grace, her husband, and then their five kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're all adopted. Uh, yeah, at least, I mean, they should at least like two or three different adoption notes. So I, we can, we'll just presume all of them are adopted, but. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they are all adopted, but and so we see a lot of information. We get a lot of information out of this photo uh, album, but senior soon falls asleep. And when he wakes up, this is where uh, we left off at the end of last episode with them drowning the Australian chief of police, Kevin and uh, senior going out and saying, what are you ladies up to now? Uh, Last episode, we didn't know how he got there or what his connection to these ladies was. But this episode, we know that he gets tranked. <laughs> so... Yeah, he gets tranquilized. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Not a great connection. <laughs> they are not friends. Nope. <laughs> nope, not at all. So uh, when he wakes up, Grace is in the room with him. And she's going through bags of shoes. Yeah. And now in hindsight, I know what she was doing with those shoes. Okay. Good. But most, like, some parents keep knickknacks for their children. Uh, do you do this? Like, some parents keep their children's baby teeth. Some of them keep, like, their first haircut. Some of yep. them keep, like, maybe baby shoes. Parents, I never really heard of that, but it makes sense to me. It looks like. Yeah. I doubt all her kids were that young that they all had that small of shoes. But 
Like, yeah. Do you keep any trinkets for your, from your kids? Yeah, well, actually, we have all of those things. <laughs> I mean, but do you have like? Would you be willing to get rid of them? Or are you going to keep their first set of shoes and their first? Well, I mean, I guess if you have their first cut of hair and their first, and they keep their teeth, I'm sure you're not going to get rid of those. Right. Well, how about this? Your your oldest son, still yep. quite young. He grows up. He's like he he's he's moving out. Right. He's like twenty. Uh, he's like mid twenties. Moving out, and he's like, "Dad, can I can I have my like baby teeth and hair back? <laughs> like, would you, like those are his technically, aren't they? Like, could he have them? Say, can we keep some of them? No, Dad. He wants them all. Yeah, he's like, those are mine rightfully. I'll give you another lock of hair, but I'd like that hair. I I would probably say you can have them, but please don't ever lose them because I I if if the day comes when you don't want them anymore, I do. Well, no, he's like, I want to eat the teeth for the calcium, Dad. What? <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> That's terrible. But would you still give him the teeth if he wants to eat his teeth? No, that's just that's disgusting. But they're his teeth. I feel like I feel like there should be a law here that, that by right that is his property. You just siphoned his property from him, and now he's grown up. He's come back for it. You were holding on to him. How nice of you. You could have thrown it away, but you held on to it for him. He I'm sure he appreciates that. Teeth, he gave those teeth up willingly. No, he gave them up to the tooth fairy willingly. Listen, he got paid for those teeth. Yeah, but to the tooth fairy. Not from you. Okay, he's willing to pay you back threefold. No, that, they're what? my teeth now. I paid uh, for- but these are under false pretenses, I feel like. He thought the tooth fairy was going to use him for her magic, whatever. Okay, Instead, well then I'll give them to the tooth fairy. Nah. He knows the tooth fairy. <laughs> what? This is this is oh what? Uh, so I don't know. I think I think your son's entitled to his teeth back and whatever other memorabilia you and your not the shoes. I understand the shoes. You guys bought the shoes. You keep the shoes. Okay. I totally understand yeah. that. The hair though, he grew that hair. You guys just chopped it off. You just took it from him. Those were his teeth. <laughs> Those are his teeth. Okay? I understand you can keep some of that stuff, but definitely not the teeth and the hair. That's his. Look, I'd be willing to give them give them everything, but not if they tell me they're going to eat them. Well, they're not going to eat the hair. That, that's ridiculous. They're going to use it as tinder or like a fire or something. <laughs> that's going to smell terrible. No. That, that's, <laughs> Is it the same smell- protein in hair as in like a fly or whatever? Yes. The exoskeleton of an a insect is the same protein as hair. So, yeah. Okay. So that, that will be bad smell then. Awful smell. Okay. Um, I I think you're in the wrong here. I think if for whatever the reason, that's his memorabilia. All right. Well, we'll we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. <laughs> anyway, Grace is looking through these bags of shoes. Um, she makes him tea and she sits down and tells him uh, that she. I mean, the the rest of this is basically just Grace talking. Yes, it is. And, and no. I'm oh, sorry, just um, Chris was a great listener. Yeah, he's also a great listener. <clears throat> Apparently, yes. There's, so this is the the mirror image of that scene. So I I adore this scene. It's a great scene. Oh man, I, I think Grace is such I, an interesting character. I thought I knew where it was going, and then they one eighty it on me. I'm like, okay, just another person. Very interesting. They all departed, but then she kind of went a bit haywire. Yep. possibly, but 
Yeah. And I, I do really, love, I mean, first of all, I, I, I've said this before, the leftovers is so good at these just one-on-one extreme close-up scenes. I, I, I'm, I'm never disappointed by them. They're always, they always hit their mark. And Grace, who is someone we didn't know pretty much at all, becomes an instantly very interesting character throughout the course of this scene. Mm-hmm. So it turns out that uh, she, she tells Senior that she killed a man. She says that she's gonna turn herself in tomorrow. And she starts to tell him about her family because he, she recognizes that he found a photo album and he, she's gonna explain what happened to her family. And she says that her family's gone. She assumed that they all departed. Uh, she was in town and she thought, she believed it was the rapture. It's like she, she witnessed it. Like she, the person catching her out at the grocery store departed right before her eyes. And she says she knew immediately that it was the rapture. Uh, the family, she got home and she found everybody's Bible right in a row. And she felt blessed that she knew her family was with God. So this is someone who has gone all in on her faith, her faith that this was the departure, that this was the rapture, her faith that her family got raptured. And she's actually finding comfort in that rather than uh, despair. This is the exact 180 from um, Matt in terms of both very holy people. Mm-hmm. Matt's, this is not the rapture. Look how bad these people are. And, yep. the rapture, and she's like, no, it must be the rapture. Yep. I'd love to see her and uh, Matt butt heads two years after the departure. Yes, that's a that's a good that's a good point. But two speaking of two years, two years later, the bones of all five of her children were found on her property, and this, this were you surprised by this? Yes, this is where the story completely one eighty for me. I was like, cool. so I thought I knew where it was. I was like, okay, so. You know, uh, it's kind of the opposite of Matt, the antithesis of Matt. Yep. Not quite. <laughs> right. So so this is the other, other point that I wanted to make about the leftovers. I, I think it's really amazing that they keep finding different ways for people to experience grief in this in the context of the departure. So it's not just departure. We had you know we spent a lot of time last season focusing on Meg's grief about her mother who died the day before the departure. And now we get this this new character, Grace, whose family was, she assumed, departed, but didn't actually. And her belief in the departure may have been what killed them. Yeah. <laughs> and, so and, rough. Oh, it is. I mean, the guilt that she has to live with now as a result of that, I, I, it's just unbearable. Because it turns out their father did depart, but they, the kids, didn't know if she would ever come home. The phones were down. You know, she she was not home, and they weren't sure she ever would come home. So they set out on foot to try to find help. Uh, and she says she never even considered searching for them. And that's the tragedy of this: that this that their death could have been prevented, perhaps, if she didn't assume the departure right off the bat. That is super sad. Especially knowing how they died, like that is not a that is not an easy death. No, no, but where, where, whatever, however they died, they died right at the spot where she found senior with the cross. She, she put the cross from the chapel 
in that spot to commemorate them. And when she found Senior, she, uh, she found this page written like, like scripture that spoke of Kevin dying and going to the place of the dead, freeing the dead of their pain and then rising again. She thought that this Australian chief of police, Kevin, was the Kevin on this page. Uh, she thought that he was testing her and that she would pass the, te pass the test, just like uh, God was testing Abraham. Okay, uh, that, and that she would pass the test by actually sending him to the place of the dead. Um, but just on the page, just on a page, just on a page, <laughs> just just a note. I still need to push that one back up on a page alone. Yeah, basically uh, brought someone to death. Uh, yeah. Oh, she thought uh, they were. Um, it was a test, but still, page alone. Yep, one page alone. That's a good point. So, I mean, here, this is another example of misplaced faith. And, and this is a theme of this season. You know, the, this is what the Millerites set up right in the beginning, this idea of misplaced faith. You know, she's already misplaced her faith that her children departed, and now she's misplacing her faith in this piece of paper. Or maybe she's not. I mean, the, the, this piece of paper, this this... This book of Kevin, you know, I guess we don't really know that whether or not this is the real deal. We, I mean, we, we know what we've seen from Kevin, but we don't know what she was hoping to get out of this. Maybe it's not misplaced faith. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you think it's misplaced faith? Uh, so, I mean, this instance is certainly is of uh, going mm -hmm. after Aussie Kevin. But um, for for her circle, I mean, yes, it's misplaced faith because she went off one page. Yep. Uh, will it be misplaced faith like the future? I don't know. Okay. I have no clue. I really have no clue. And I yep. I, I even question how um Junior takes it because he tells her that she's not crazy. She just has the wrong Kevin. Yes. And I didn't know how to take that as either he means himself, like he's the right yep. Kevin, or if. Junior's right, Kevin. Right, we don't know. Well, let's before before we get to that because I want to talk about that. But she she says that she thought Senior was sent by God with a message just for her, and she says, "But you're no angel, and there is no message, and God doesn't care about me." So she she whether or not she has misplaced her faith in that one page from the Book of Kevin, she believes that she has. So she now sees herself as having misplaced her faith twice. Okay. Do you think that she's hopeful that, to place her faith again? Like she went so quick on this one. Did, do you think she'll do it a third time? She'll do it a third time. Oh yeah. Okay, so that's that was my question for you so because Kevin gives her this new hope. No, you did. I I don't think you're crazy at all. You just got the wrong Kevin, uh, and you can see her face, her whole demeanor changes here, and she's ready to put her faith all out there again. This reminds me of people that I know that like get in relationships like ah. Uh, you know, it's just not for me. And then, like, they immediately jump right back on the bandwagon or something. With <laughs> this is this reminds me of with the same person? No, not with the same person. Just in general. Yeah. Like, oh, it's, it always ends bad. I'm not gonna blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. It's something like that. This this reminds me of that. But yeah, she she's hopping around that bandwagon again. Yeah. All right. So now let's let's talk about this because it is not clear whether he's talking about himself or Kevin Jr. Okay. Why would he be talking about? Let's start with 
Kevin Jr. Why would he be talking about him? What what would Kevin Jr. have to offer this woman? Uh, for obvious reasons, of being that I'm always, so I'm assuming the senior knows everything about Kevin Jr. because he's been talking with Matt. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to assume that, and if that's the case, he should know that Jr. has died multiple times and mm-hmm. lived to tell the tale. Okay, There's... so how do, but how does that help Grace? Uh, so. In the so in the page she read, she cites that this Kevin can speak to those like from the dead, right? He can he can go to their world, the hotel, talk to them, and then come back. So I guess he talked to Virgil and whatnot. Yeah, Patty as well. So he can talk to those that died and come back. So if that book's about Kevin and Senior knows that, he can go. Okay, well, this is the guy. This book is based on that page. I know that guy's my son. That page, I I can point you to the guy. Yeah. I have his number. Yeah, talk, talk to him. I know his address. <laughs> well, why would Senior do that? Because the book's based off Kevin. That's the only, like, if, why would, if, but why would Senior want to give his son up like that for the sake of this person he doesn't well, even because, Well, because I don't think... I don't... If the book is true... So, Matt suspects he can only not die in Miracle. Okay. But the book made it sound like he just doesn't die, period. Okay. At least that page made it sound like that. So, if we go off the assumption that you both believe he can't die, period. That's what it seemed like um, Gracie took it as, based on what he did, or what she did to um, Aussie Kevin. Yep. Then, he's not really doing anything, like, of a harm. He's just, hey, Kevin, take another trip to the place, to the other side. And, uh, Help Gracie with some closure. Okay. So then, what about himself? What what reason would or what would be? Why would he be t- saying that he's the right Kevin? Senior seems to have some sort of like God complex. <laughs> Not God, but some sort of like Messiah complex. At the very yeah. least. So that's why. I mean, he seems to think of himself as a very special person. Uh, and she she asked for the criteria of chief of police. Name is Kevin. Uh, he, I mean, Junior fits that criteria, Aussie Kevin fits that criteria, but Senior has fit that criteria. Like, he's been a chief, his name's also Kevin, so maybe he, he's gonna equate that to himself. He might also think if Junior can do it, so can I. So I, it wouldn't shock me if he's like, oh, well, this this is for me, this is meant for me. Okay. So he, he seems to take what is seemingly random and drive messages from it. Yeah. So maybe him, this is a sign that no, he can do this too, or something. So yeah, and let's and let's not forget the opening titles and the song "Use Your Own Personal Jesus." Yes. <laughs> so, so I, I it can go two ways, but I think it only goes two ways. I'll be shocked if they go any other way with this. But oh, know. I I, th- I think I think one of those is correct. Yeah, so it's, it's certainly one of those two. I don't know. I really don't know which one it is out of the two, though, because Kevin mm-hmm. is coming to Australia. Yeah. Uh, senior doesn't know that, but. Yeah, I like it can go. It can go either way. Either he means Junior or he means himself. Yep, I think you're. I think you're right. One of those things is true, especially based on the uh, the prophecy of Kevin, who's the chief of police. So, a real big help. Yes, very. They're very true. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I I love this episode. I think it's fantastic. Um, I I. I think that the only reason I say this is my least favorite of this season is because there's no Kevin, there's no Nora, there's there's no uh, 
Well, I guess there is a little bit of Matt, but that's good. Yeah, that's enough Matt. Everybody yeah, no, but no Kevin, no Nora. So uh, that's no the reason. That's the only reason why I say this is my least favorite episode of the, se- of the season because this is a fantastic episode. Uh, it's a really great episode. If this is the worst episode of the season, like this is a very exciting season to be then. Yeah, it, it's 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 fantastic. It's except really... for the finale. The finale, I've already. You're gonna hate the finale. Yeah, <laughs> I'm ready for that. I know, I know, but I'm not like I'm not trying to uh, reverse psychology you either. I think you're actually going to hate the finale. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Is that you trying to reverse psychologize me? I just said I'm not trying to reverse. Yeah, psychology. yeah, but that that that's like that's how you really get someone. Oh, it's like the double fake. Yeah, or well, more like a doubling down on the fake. Yeah. Okay. Like I'm really not trying to use reverse psychology on you. No, I I I don't think you're gonna like the finale. Okay, triple down. Okay. Take 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 it to mean whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> anyway, all right, and so. I think that this is uh, this is setting up the pieces nicely. We now know what's going on in Australia. We know that Kevin and Nora are on their way to Australia. Um, and we have a connection to Matt from Australia as well. So a, lot, a lot's going on and, and we kind of see how the pieces are starting to come together. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anything else you want to say about this episode? No, I'm excited to see... Oh, my guess is... I'm seeing Kevin and Nora in Australia. I was going to see seeing the Garveys, but I forget they're not married. No, they're not. But I was going to say I'm seeing the Garveys. Yep. It's, a good, it's a good family name for like like a TV show, like Home with the Garveys or something <laughs> like that. But yep, exactly. I'm excited to see Kevin and Nora. Yeah. They'll know Jill. She got it right now. Yeah. I mean, we'll hear, Jill. we'll hear from Jill one more time. but it, Thankfully, they wrote her out. Very, very brief. But I did like Jill as a character, but discussed it. The whole her and Michael situation would have been too weird. So yeah, we, we don't her out. Did you we, realize that beforehand, or like did we bring that up? Did I realize? Yeah. That? Oh no, I realized that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. So the next episode is called G'day Melbourne." Okay. Well, <laughs> I think that. <laughs> well, if there, okay, all I'm gonna say is if there is. If 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 they are not in Australia for like a significant chunk of this, I will be I'll be very disappointed. Yeah, I mean maybe I, it's just a story of trying to get to listen. They they're in Australia for this episode. So most of the rest of the season is going to be set in Australia. Based on that, okay. So oh, I forgot. I want to talk about this as well. So I thought that the so for episode one, the end of episode one, and the end of episode two, I thought both were flash forwards. Yes. This has turned out not to be a flash forward. Yes. I still think the other one is a flash forward. Okay. So. Okay. Noted. That or it's Nora's quest if she somehow ends up Ooh. on the other side. But I, I, I want to air that's probably, a, just because she's going to Australia and everything, probably was a flash forward of some sort. Okay. All right. Well, I like that other point that you're making too. That's pretty cool. So. G'day, Melbourne. Oh, wait, no. I'm sorry, though. Wait, so something just popped in my head. Okay. I wonder if, like, we know how... Well, at least I, I like to think when Kevin puts the plastic bag, bag over his head, what seems like a daily occurrence, and he goes and he sings his Homeward Bound song. <laughs> I was like, you always... 
you think that's funny that he goes there and sings his song every day? I, I like the idea that that's a possibility. I, I, <laughs> I like to think he goes there. He doesn't like. He doesn't like to feel like he, he doesn't like the feeling with the hotel. He's just like singing in front of a crowd. Like, <laughs> like, like. There's nothing malicious about this at all. The memes look malicious. And it looks like you know, oh, wow, he's, he's suffocating himself. But it's like, no, no. I just, I really like karaoke. He could go to a local karaoke bar, but instead he goes. Yeah, but it's a lot more effort. He's got to pay. Like the people are gonna probably get sick of him. He always sings the same song, but here okay. people love it. I want. I want to point out what you just said. You said it was a lot more effort to go to the karaoke bar. Yeah. Well, honestly, think about it. Think about it. He's in his own bedroom. The more like he's in his own bedroom. Doesn't have to drive his car. Doesn't cost him any gasoline. It's just everything he's already got. He's just got to buy rolls of duct tape. Probably like. Once a month and not even. Boom. Free karaoke. And I don't even know how long it is. Like, I don't know how that time relativity works. So it might even only take like a, like a few moments in like the real world. And he has like a great whole evening. Who knows? <laughs> okay. But uh, what I would love now, now, now I, I, I've said it a lot. I would love if he sung Homeward Bound perfectly. But I would also like to see is if we get to see him singing home. If we just see him in the hotel again. And in the hotel, he sees Nora. He's like, Nora, what are you doing here? <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm just I'm doing my deliveries. What are you doing here? I'm here for the karaoke night. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, man. I'm, well, you know what? They stumbled upon each other in the hotel. Oh, that's yeah. an ending. That's an ending right there. Okay, I'm going to stop now. These are very interesting possibilities. Hmm. My Very... question is, how interesting are these? That, like, does he know these possibilities have happened, or is he just entertaining the notion? Who knows? Who's he? Kevin? No, just... you. Oh, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I do know what happens, but uh, what I, I'm just saying that what you're saying is quite interesting. So, anyway, uh, the next episode of G'day Melbourne, one of my favorites in the entire series. Uh, I I just adore it. And I'm, I'm interested to see what you think about it because half of it's Kevin, but half of it's Nora. So you can well, you be... know, I liked the, you said the last episode was a Nora episode and it really was for the most part. Yeah. I liked yeah. the Nora episode. It was a great episode. That's awesome. I'm really glad to hear it. So you may, you may really like this and we're going to get some payoffs on some stuff from earlier in the I, season. I will say though, least favorite episode so far in the season. I figured. I look at a nine. So I mean, yeah, I out of three. So. All right. Well, I think we'll call it there and we'll look forward to Good Day in Melbourne next week. Folks, thank you for listening. If you want to contact us, showhopperspodcast at gmail.com. Please feel free to give us those five star ratings and uh, reviews. We do appreciate those and spread the podcast to as many people or things as you can. Thanks for listening.